You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you're listening to us as a podcast, we're going to spend a little bit of time with two wonderful individuals who've been on this program before. The first one is Dean Anil Puri. He is the dean of the business school, which is the Mahalo School of Business and Economics at California State University. And I had the pleasure of interviewing him briefly last Thursday at their annual economic forecast and update. And uh, I asked him three questions, maybe four, if I remember correctly, and he gave very succinct and powerful answers. Those of you who know the dean know he's content-rich in in his delivery, but yet it's very approachable. So first we're going to listen to a short interview that I did with with the dean, and then after that we're going to come back and we're going to listen to another short interview that I did with Dr. Mira Farka, who has a a strong hand in writing the economic forecast. And uh, so let's listen to the conversation I had with Dean from last week. I'm at the 2015 economic forecast put on by California State University Fullerton. I'm with Dean Anil Puri. Dean, your forecast is less cheery and more cautious than the consensus. Can you share the reasons behind your predictions? Let me just make clear that we are not... Uh, pessimistic. In fact, we're optimistic about the forecast. When we say it's not as cheery, we mean it's not as bubbly as some of the economists were predicting just a few months ago. And there are good reasons for that. Uh, we, the economy has grown, uh, especially in terms of jobs. Uh, output has been increasing as well, but more radically. The reason we are more cautious is that there are risks out there. Global economy, for example. Uh, China, which cannot seem to manage its economy very well, stock market is down 40 percent. Uh, oil price tumbling, which is good and bad, both. At the same time, uh, dollar uh, going up. And then Federal Reserve Bank is expected to raise interest by the end of the year, which will cause dollar to be even higher, and that hurts our exports. So there are good reasons to be cautious about it. But let me assure you that we have an optimistic outlook on the state of the economy, both nationally as well as for Orange County. I believe in your report this year you called the Federal Reserve's decision to raise interest rates the longest drum roll in history. That is true. It has been uh, seven years uh, since the last uh, rate change, and, and seven years since the uh, federal fund rates had been at zero. Eleven years since the last time Fed started to raise interest rates. We expect the Fed to raise rates in December this year. So this has been a long time, I think for good reason, but I think it's time for Fed to raise interest rates because the economy is growing more strongly. And uh, if we don't raise the rates now, I think there are, could be problems down the road. When Dr. Farker was on my radio show, I think it was in April or May, she said at that time that you guys believed it would be December's meeting when they would raise rates. So it looks like you had that prediction pretty correct. That's correct. You know, people have been changing their mind about when the Fed will raise, raise. but we have been saying for almost a year that we expect that the economy will be strong enough by the end of 2015 for the Fed to raise their interest rates. And a lot of ups and downs, we still are sticking with that prediction. Outstanding. You know, um, last year when you and I talked, you used the term pent up everything. This year, your forecast predicts continued strong spending by the consumer as a positive. But are you seeing a risk that consumers will fall back in the trap of over leveraging to continue their spending? Well, at the moment, consumers are in very good shape. You know, their wealth is up, 
because stock market has been up. Housing prices have recovered. Job market has done very well. Uh, we have recovered all the job plus four million since the last recession, and wages are expected to continue to increase. In fact, at a rapid, more uh, faster rate over the next two years, three years. So you know, when you have more income, you can afford more debt. In fact, debt is a good thing if you can afford it. And we have evidence, we have data to show that consumers as well as businesses are starting to increase their debt levels and their spending level. That is the important part. So that is why spending, consumer spending, is going to be the big driver of the economic growth over the next two years. Okay, thank you. One last question. You know, last year we looked at the OCBX, which is the Orange County Business Expectation Survey, and this year again you see an increase in the overall value, the master score. What does this increase mean for how Orange County business community views the future, Neil? We do a quarterly survey of Orange County businesses. There are over 600 businesses who participate in that. And the summary of the survey results is represented in this OCBX index that you mentioned. And you're correct. The latest indication is that businesses are feeling positive, optimistic about the future, and therefore they intend to increase employment and, and, and investment and so forth. So we think that, and this is a very good predictor. We have, we have checked it uh, by at least six months before the employment numbers, for the employment uh, data. And therefore, we think uh, employment is going to continue to grow. And Orange County's employment growth has been phenomenal in 2015. We think the trend will continue, maybe at not quite at that rapid pace, uh, for the next two years, 16 and 17. So we are very positive. We're not bullish. We're not way out there but uh, very optimistic for a robust uh, 2016 and 17 for Orange County. Sorry, as you answered that question, it made me think of one other thing that I believe that I read, and keep me honest on this, that nationally the participation rate is a cause of structural concern, but in Orange County, not so much? It's interesting. Orange County's participation rate has also been falling, but the interesting thing is that most of the decline in Orange County is at the lower age groups, 16 to 25 or 30. The prime age people, which is 30 to 54, that rate is actually up for Orange County. So people in the prime working age in Orange County, more of them are working. Well, maybe because it's expensive to live in Orange County and both party, both couples, both people in a, in a family have to work. Whatever the reason, the participation rate for the prime age worker in Orange County is higher, though overall it's lower, just as in the nation. Dean, I want to thank you again for your time again this year. I look forward to the Mahalo College of Business and Economics annual economic forecast. Thank you. Jane. All right. Well, that was our interview, my interview with uh, the dean from last week. And as you can see, content-rich but very approachable. And I uh, always enjoy uh, the opportunity to ask Dr. Farka a separate set of questions about the robust report that they generated. And if you're here in Southern California, you haven't had a chance to attend either the annual conference, the up mid, uh, the annual forecast, and that is in generally in October's time frame, October, November, around that time frame. I think it's mostly in October. They also do a mid-year, which is about six months out, which I think this year is in the last part of April of 2016. So I would strongly suggest you attend both of them, frankly, because I find that the uh, economic information delivered through their research has been very accurate and helps to, for my clients who do attend and read the report, really understand kind of what's going on at a much bigger and smaller level relative to making business decisions. So um, we're going to wrap up the show here, our Critical Mass radio show uh, for, for this episode, with my uh, brief interview 
with Dr. Mira Farka. We're at the annual economic forecast put on by California State University Fullerton Business School, the Mahalo School of Business and Economics, and I have Dr. Mira Farka with me. Um, Dr. Farka, your report highlights a potential structural problem of the Great Recession, and that's the potential for permanent damage to the potential output as measured by GDP. Can you share your thinking in this area? Hi, Rick. Uh, thanks for having me on the show again. Uh, yes, absolutely. That's one of the biggest concerns we're facing since the Great Recession. The worry is the recession may have left permanent damage. The permanent damage would be supply-side type of issues, such as lower GDP, potential GDP growth. We used to grow at 3%. We're growing probably at about 2% estimates right now of potential GDP growth are even lower, 1.75%, according to the Fed. Some of this has to do with the fact that we have uh, uh, aging demographics. Some of it has to do with the fact that we have we haven't invested as much in capital, and some of it has to do actually with a slowdown in productivity. All of these are actually uh, impacting output gap, other impact in potential GDP. If you com- compare where we are right now, where where we ought to have been, according to the estimates in 2007, we're 1.4 trillion dollars below. So that's quite a substantial number. And just why is that important for a middle market CEO to be aware of? Well, think about it. It makes a huge difference. I mean, between growing by 3% and 2% uh, in 20, it's not, it doesn't even take that much to see the difference. In 25, in 2025 years, you can see a drop in standard of living by 25%. So it is very meaningful to everyone whether what potential GDP is, what we should be growing at, and what we're growing. Uh, this is not a unique problem for the U.S. Uh, it's also uh, advanced economies that have had this sort of problem, but it's also emerging market who are facing lower potential GDP for various reasons, for different reasons. In the U.S. is mostly less capital investment and an aging workforce. In the rest of the European uh, and J- Japanese advanced economies is an aging uh, workforce. In the rest of the emerging market is the fact that the low-hanging fruits are taken away, they're done and over with, and now they're left with uh, you know less productivity growth. So different reasons, but this is a global problem. It's not just the U.S. So if, if the audience is looking for a headline number to kind of measure performance in the future, GDP is a good headline number to look at? It's it's a it's 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 a nice me- overall measure, and and you know the targeted rate should be about three percent. We are growing at two percent, so the headline number to target, to wish for, to hope for is three percent. Thank you. Another question: What should we understand about the dramatic slowdown, recent slowdown in job formation? You write that if current trends continue, 2015 will be the first post-recession year that will have a lower average monthly job growth number than the previous year. Mira, what what is that saying to you? So um, there has been some slowdown, particularly during the summer months and also in September. The latest uh, job numbers uh, came out about 167,000 jobs per month. Last few months, we've actually grown on that by that average, about 167. We were growing at about 200 plus, 230 plus. Now, it's also true. So we expected this a little bit. Some payback was uh, 2014 grew very fast. Uh, as I mentioned, 230,000 total jobs created in 2014 were the highest since the late 90s, 3.1 million. So some of that is due uh, to some kind of a expected slowdown in the cycle. But more importantly, we see a bunch of uh, other factors that are uh, impacting the the. 
job formation. We have a lot of losses from the energy sector. About 200,000 jobs are gone because of the collapse of oil prices. Manufacturing sector is in a world of hurt because of the strength in dollar. So all these factors have made up for a more challenging labor market during this year. Final question for you, Dr. Farka. Last year we discussed the structural issue with the prime-aged workers and participation rate. This year's report appears to be even more dire for that age group. Can you share your findings and the importance of that to our economy? Right. The prime age workers are quite important. They're basically what, why they're called. Well, I call them the subprime age at this stage. <laughs> uh, they're, they're the demographic between 25 and 54 years old. And those are a very important because these are meant to be, this is where the labor force grows. Now, this demographic is being challenged. This, this age group is being challenged by a number of things. Least of all is not demographics. I mean, uh, you know, the population for this age group fell by about a million people since uh, 2007. There's nothing we can do about demographics. They are what they are. But what concerns me the most is how they have fared even when you adjust for this population changes. So, for example, if you look at the employment number for the prime age workers, even when you adjust for decline in population, there are now 3.1, 3 million fewer workers than there should be uh, compared to you know 2007 level. What worries me even more is actually the labor force. Uh, the labor force is also about 3 million jobs, again, adjusted for the pop for the population decline is about three million uh, fewer workers of the prime age uh, age cohort fewer now than they were back in 2007 and what concerns me the most about the labor forces is that the trend is going the wrong way employment is below but at least is moving in the right direction it's three million now less it was six million in 2009 labor force is getting much bigger it's actually it's actually uh going the wrong direction so we have more missing people today than we ever had from this prime age demographic uh, missing from the labor force that is huge because that's where we get our labor productivity that's the bulk of our of our jobs that's 96 million people and that's where it's slowing down tremendously this sounds like a policy issue. This sounds like something that we need to be focused on at the highest levels and all levels of government and, and academia. Absolutely. Look, uh, some of it has to do with the fact that this recovery has been very tough for the prime age, especially people with low skill, low education. Uh, the, the the world is changing. The labor markets are changing. We have, you know, what has grown tremendously since the recession has been the healthcare sector. The manufacturing and construction has been kind of suffering, but it's very very difficult. As I mentioned, I've said this before, it's very hard to turn construction workers to nurses overnight. So we have a jobs, you know, we have a skill gap that needs to be uh, filled. And you can address this with all sorts of uh, uh, programs that are necessary, but particularly at the local level, because these people do need to retrain for the new jobs of the 21st century. In fact, the post-recession uh, of the 21st century. And that's one of the things that bothers me. A lot of these people are not coming back. A lot of the prime age workers are not coming back to the labor force. Those three million we're talking about probably left forever, probably are, have joined the disability roles. So, and this is a loss. This is a loss to, to, to the economic growth. This is a lo- loss uh, not only at the national level, but also at the local level. So we have certainly have to design better policies that uh, improve that skill gap. Education. One thing that I, I think the U.S. falls short is apprentice-type programs, and we can actually offer more of those to be able to act to uh, create these jobs that, that, uh, that we have, a, to, to basically re- to reshape the workforce 
with the newer uh, sets of skills that are needed uh, going forward. I'd hate to inter- end the interview on that note, but you're going to have to come on back on the Critical Mass Radio Show, and we're going to have to talk about this in more detail, okay? I look forward to it, Rick. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 